how do you and I come to be talking about the cosmic trigger play? Well, immediately you ask me that, I have to rush out of the room to get the prop. You, and you can pause or you can wait a few seconds. My name's Irving Rappaport, and Daisy Campbell, the writer and director of Cosmic Trigger, asked me to put together a podcast of my choice. And I decided I wanted to do something for those who have never seen Cosmic Trigger, who may never have heard of it, and who know nothing about it. So I've assembled for your delectation some lovely folk who were either in the show when it was last presented two years ago, or who saw the show. But before you listen, here is a serious warning. It seems now that I've heard them all back that they have one thing in common. It changed their lives. Yes, folk, Cosmic Trigger changes lives. So before you shell out on a ticket for its next run at the Cockpit Theatre this May of 2017, be aware that it may change yours. Make up your own mind before you delve in any further. So listen, seekers, listen very carefully. Uh, the prop is a glove puppet. It's a yellow duck with an orange beak and two black eyes and a little tuft. So just bear in mind I'm holding it and then I'll tell you how it came about. Back in 1976, my brother, who had just managed to secure what was then a very difficult thing to do, to get a job teaching, particularly as he was a less than four foot tall dwarf. He had a young son and a wife, and a few nights a week he was going across the Pennines to rehearse in Liverpool to be in a show called Illuminatus, which was being directed and had been written by Ken Campbell. My mum and dad heard that he was off gallivanting and I think I was sort of dispatched to find out what was going on. The short story is that yes, he was involved in this show. He did have quite an important part of Markov Cheney and it was an absolutely stunning, wonderful show, the like of which I'd never seen before. So we should say that Illuminatus was written by Robert Shea and Robert Anton Wilson. I'm Ian Vincent, also occasionally known as Cat Vincent. I'm a journalist writing on the Fortean Beat, essentially just strange phenomena. Anything from UFOs to um, creepy stories of coincidence. Robert Shea and Robert Anton Wilson, two uh, journalists working for Playboy's Letters page in New York in the late 60s, who wanted to write the ultimate conspiracy novel containing every strange, weird conspiracy theory they'd ever read on, on their job as giving the Playboy's position on various letters. And a lot of these letters turned out to be spoofs from a group of people calling themselves Discordians. So my name's Anne Wen. Many years ago, I read an amazing book called The Illuminatus Trilogy by an author called Robert Anton Wilson. It blew my mind. Uh, in that, uh, there were references to another book called The Principia Discordia. The handbook, or, or the Bible, if you like, of uh, a non-religious religious movement called Discordianism, uh, which was founded by a couple of chaps in America back in the late, very late 50s, it kind of started, uh, Greg Hill and Kerry Thornley. Discordians, mm. who had chosen to believe that the prime force in the universe is the Greek goddess of chaos and destruction, Eris or Discordia. Um, you can make a good case for that because you look around, you see way more disorder than order if you're so inclined to these things. And these guys started it as a joke and 
It's continued to be a joke. Wait, wait a minute, just, hold on, you're going a bit far. Sorry. Who started it as a joke? Two gentlemen in 58 in the, a town in California in a bowling alley called Greg Hill and Kerry Thornley. They started the idea The of idea chaos. of worshipping Eris, the goddess of chaos, okay. as a deliberate choice, and they made up various mystical mumbo-jumbo. They were already interested in, in alternate religions, alternate philosophies. I carried on being friends with Ken Campbell. We eventually set up a writer's group, for example, and we met in each other's houses, uh, a few of us, and occasionally Ken would bring his daughter, Daisy, who was very little at the time, who often went to sleep either in or behind the settee, but she was brought up with it. Her father had unfortunately passed away in 2008, and we gathered together each year at his graveside and said a few words and shared a few thoughts and just had fun really. And so it was about four or so years ago that at the graveside, when it was my turn to say something, I put my hand in my pocket and out came this yellow duck. And it said something like, well, Daisy, when are you going to do something proper with your life? Daisy and I started talking about what production she might get involved in. And then a couple of years later, after going through various options, one of which was perhaps to do a new production of Illuminatus, she thought, actually, what I want to do is the next one after Illuminatus. And that was Cosmic Trigger. Cosmic Trigger is his autobiography about the process of writing that book and how it changed him as a person and exploring various ideas of philosophy and um, metaphysics and, and the occult, seeing through a very very modern perspective based on the ideas in um, theoretical physics that people like Niels Bohr were coming up with. The idea that you can have more than one explanation or model for a set of events. Mm. He called it model agnosticism. So there's all sorts, there's all sorts of things in there from Crowley and you know the serious dog star connection. Tim Holmes, also known as the Buddhist punk, and Tim Leary, you know the Eight Circuit model. Although he explores that in in other books more, these were the things that he was experimenting on. Um, the influence when, in, in while writing Illuminatus. Did you see the play? I did see the play. I went to Liverpool to see yeah. it at the um, Camp and Furnace. Anwin and I kind of discovered this material together along the years and had been very influenced by it. And we were looking at re-editing, doing a redux on the Principia Discordia. We thought we were the only Discordians. Uh, it was really hard to find anything else out at that time. We weren't associated with any other people. Uh, we'd not met any other people, so... We kept it between ourselves. It was our in-joke. Next came along Daisy Eris Campbell. And uh, she was putting on a play. A play of Robert Anton Wilson's Cosmic Trigger book. That's when the play came about. The fundraising was going on and the Con Festival in Liverpool, November 2014. I almost didn't go. I thought, I don't know whether I want to. Long story short, I did go. It was wonderful. I walked in. I arrived home. We can 
get on with all that immunitizing of escatons in a little while. My name is Robert Anton Wilson, and it is from my head that all this confusion, Hilaris, doth emanate. Guardianism I mean, really is a, a complex joke disguised as a religion. No, it's a religion disguised as a complex joke. Yes, there are many scientists who agree you? with Carl um, Jung's opinion at the number of the Bavarian Illuminati, the world's most successful conspiracy from a man who If you enter that realm without the sword of truth, you will lose your mind. Hello, I'm Kate. Alderton. In Cosmic Trigger, I play Arlen Riley Wilson, and she Riley. was an incredible poet. You know, as well as you know, obviously she was the wife of the amazing Robert Anton Wilson but she was an, she was quite a prolific artist in her own right and yeah. very heavily involved in the women's movement and, and quite a mover and a shaker and supporter of the arts and a great great poet. I also play Miss Portinari who is a tarot reader who's a character in Illuminatus by Robert Anton Wilson which also. is the play within the play of Cosmic Trigger which is the play we're putting on. God, that sounds really confusing. Yeah, oh, it'll be vastly confusing, yeah. Is it intended yeah. to be confusing? It's intended to be illuminating and very funny. Okay, good, I'm glad you said that. <laughs> so, had you known much about Robert Anton Wilson before? No, no, I don't think I had. I mean, I'd, I'd heard of Illuminatus through working with Ken yeah. and you, but it was one of those kind of myths in the, in the mists of time of our collective, you know community and myth weaving and artistic history that that I'd heard of I worked on the warp with Ken and um, it, it kind of it predated that creative adventure the warp was also an extremely long play that was 24 hours and a lot of the people that had been involved with that were involved with Illuminatus so it was kind of in the distance but I didn't I hadn't read any Robert Anton Wilson um, or plugged into the kind of magical current which springs forth from his work I think a lot of people had so I was kind of aware from our community at the time that there was this kind of mythos around the number 23 and it was a kind of in joke that I didn't quite get or plug into but yeah tw 23 was probably about as right. as much as I understood I'd never read the book I still haven't read the book because of course I'm not allowed to read the book till I'm 23 I'm Dixie McDevitt, and I'm playing Luna Wilson in Cosmic Trigger this May. When you say of course, there's people that have no idea why that should be. <laughs> Can you please explain? <laughs> well, that's the thing. I'm not really sure how to explain. I don't know anything. All I know is that 23 is the cosmic number and that I'm not allowed to find out the secret until I'm 23. That's all I know. Luna Wilson um, was the daughter of Robert Anton Wilson. There's many records that say that she was an incredibly enlightened and a real soul, had a really had an old soul to her. We're talking about something called Cosmic Trigger. Mm. Some people say that it's a book, and it is. Some people say that it's a play, and it is. Some people say it's more than that. Well, for me, it's very much the play is my reality of Cosmic Trigger because the play was written by my mum um, a few years ago. And that was the first I ever heard of it. I'd never read the book. I still haven't read the book. Um, I didn't know anything about Robert Anton Wilson. And in some ways, I'm still quite an outsider in 
from that whole world. What kind of impressed you about the show? The thing that I found most special about the show last time was just the sense of fun that surrounded it. It's quite, in many ways, it's a true story and it's quite a gritty story. But still it's sort of exultant and it's joyful and there's singing and dancing and and I think that it's been treated with a real sensitivity. Did you learn anything from Well, I learnt that I can do two four-hour performances in one day when I spend probably a total of about maybe one of those four hours on stage, three of them backstage. I think this show has been completely founded on family, if not biological family, in every case, then definitely the family that we've sort of chosen for ourselves. You know, I was on stage with people that I've known for my whole life and the person playing my mum was has been a close family friend for years and years and years. I think it really, really helped me challenge my reality tunnels, how narrow it's possible to become with particular strands of thinking without even realising, especially as you get older, or especially as I have got older. I think, I, I think it caught me um, in time and taught me to continue to remain flexible with my thinking processes and my belief systems. Your reality tunnel. Yeah. Megan, you, yeah, can hi. you define reality tunnel? Reality tunnel? Yeah, defi- define it um, expertly. Go on then. Reality is a cultural construct where a group of consciousnesses all agree on what's a good idea and what's a bad idea. I'm Megan Clifton. I'm here at Cabervon with everyone. But if you're brought up with those, or if you live inside those, um, because your brain can't concentrate on everything at once, you start, you just assume that that's correct without question mm. forever. So a good example is um, uh, the, the, the laboratory monkeys um, that were um, squirted with hoses every time they went up a ladder to get a banana. And then um, a generation down the line, um, they, were, they were giving birth to more monkeys and if the monkey tried to go up the ladder, the younger monkey, all of the parent monkeys would throw stuff at them and scream, even though the hoses were long gone. Mm-hmm. You, you have to assume certain things, or you'd just be going around going, is that a chair? Um, mm-hmm. So that's... Mm-hmm. But if you question them, then you can make sure that you're not getting sucked into any mm-hmm. untruths or old truths. Mm-hmm. Is that right? It challenged some of your beliefs. I think I live my life quite with quite a mythical, dreamlike... Uh, tendency. I think being around the group of thinkers and talkers and creators that made that project happen, it made it made me notice how little science and evidence-based thinking I had been weaving into my life over the past few years. Because I work with different types of things like dreams, and mm. I'm interested in healing, and it's a, it's a, an entirely different current to mm. be investigating. Mm. And I think it made me remember to bring a bit more balance into the things I'm investigating and in the the ways that you can be curious about things. So apart from the fact that you're in it, Mm. is there any other reason or reasons that you think your friends would benefit from seeing it? Oh, definitely. I go to a school where a lot of people take a lot for granted and 
the world is a very linear place and it's just one you go from one stage in your life to the next and that's the way it works and people are completely happy for their life to go that way and people are often quite shocked when I talk about sort of my home life and the things that we get up to and I think they're really intrigued by it and not many of my school friends I don't think any of my school friends came to watch last time because we were quite young um but this time I've got a lot of friends who want to come and I'm excited for them to see it and to sort of really understand because it's easy to it's easy to talk about this kind of stuff but I think when you're there and when you're part of it and when you see it it's something completely different Wilson's book, Cosmic Sugar, has a lot of different moods. It's, it's, everything from quite scary, mundane realism to highfalutin science fiction and drug escapades and weird sex magic rituals. And that's a lot of different moods and a lot of different concepts to deliver in a, a two-and-a-half-hour play. But they pulled it off magnificently. The cast were great fun. The design of the sets, using a lot of back projection material to be able to turn a scene from the offices in Playboy where Shay and Wilson first met, to being inside the yellow submarine, which one of the protagonists of Illuminatus drives around. Mm. Uh, to be able to just pull that off, and also to make the story both coherent and entertaining. It could have been just an information dump. Instead, it was hilarious, tragic. Um, it was like the best cabaret and circus you could possibly imagine, but at the end of it, you've actually learned something. And what a brilliant piece of theatre it is. Oh, right. Because when I turned up there, I mean, I knew, obviously I know some of the legacy, the heritage of the people that were involved in it. I never saw the Illuminatus play, but I'm aware of it. Obviously, I've gone and, and, and read about the, the background of what's gone on, uh, and this material that's inspired me. But to turn up into that place and see such a wonderful piece of theatre so alive as I say kind of meta theatre really the point at which for those that have not seen it get yourself to see it for those that have the point at which you as an audience member the participation that you're having there with what's going on instead it's this it's this self-fulfilling mythos isn't it by the fact that you attend and watch that you become part of it I think that was one of the clever things about the um use of sort of meta theatre in the show because there's a real element of different levels of reality and a play is one level of reality and then the people watching are in another level but it implied that there's probably other levels that we hadn't even thought about beyond ours and I think that real involvement that we all had even the audience in the show itself um, it did mean that if you watched it you had sort of become part of something. Yes. And it feels great to be part of something, um, especially when it's, you know, on a level playing field. We were all kin. That's how it made me feel. And all these people that were there, all there for whatever reason we, we came together, whatever reason took you to that place. By the time we were there, we were all there for the, the same reason, self-discovery and just to have a really long, hard laugh at ourselves and at everything else and the, the ludicrousy uh, of what the world is like, really. I came away and in the car on the way home I said to Tim, Tim, there has to be more stuff for Discordians to do all year round. We need more stuff for us to get involved in. So... We took it upon ourselves to uh, make a festival happen. And that was called? That was called Festival 23. And these days now, 
with discordianism. I try, I try and go to everything. Do things, try things, go to this and like it or don't like it, but just experience life. Experience other people's versions of what life is without assuming that they're bad or wrong or something, and you'll have a really good time. Reading Cosmic Trigger or going to see the Cosmic Trigger play is a massive lesson about that dismantling beliefs and still being an intact person. <laughs> Do you agree that it's only true if it makes you laugh? Yes and no. I say when I go and watch something, I want it to make me laugh and I want it to make me cry. And I think that Cosmic Trigger did both for a lot of people. It's easy to rationalise things, it's easy to think about something, but there is something inherently irrational about what makes us laugh. And it's an instinctive reaction. You can't force it, you can't make it happen, it has to be organic. And so I think if you can make people laugh, then you know you've found something that is in some way organic and it's and it is real. It's like being in the, the best party in the world with the best rock band in the world all teamed up together to actually do something useful, but not solemnly. There's a whole lot of people who feel that they need to get involved in, in activism or any kind of world-changing, life-changing event that it all has to be terribly, terribly serious because it's big and important. And Robert Anton Wilson actually said something that, that's guided me for years. He said, this sort of thing is far too important to be taken seriously. Would you recommend it to anybody Oh, else? no, I don't think anybody else should go. I think we should be the only people in the world allowed to go ever because it's just too special to share. Ha-ha, fnord! <laughs> so, when I came back from having seen Illuminatus and my brother and... Ken Campbell and the whole show in Liverpool that November of 1976. It was the most weird, the most amazing, the most fantastic, the most unique show I'd ever been to. What I said to my parents was, it's a lost cause. There is no point trying to fight this. There is something going on up there that is beyond our ken. So seekers, I say to you now, don't come and see this show because it will change your life. On the other hand, maybe that's exactly what you want. That was Irving Rappaport's Cosmic Podcast, produced and edited by me, Nick Alderton, with the support of the Arts Council. The music was occupied by Dr. Marshmallow Cubicle, available on Iron Man Records. Tickets for the Cosmic Trigger Play are available right now. Go to www.cosmictriggerplay.com. No, no, it means what it means and it also means what it doesn't mean.